This is the 306th episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. And if you've been here since the beginning, you've certainly noticed some themes that tend to reoccur as we've interviewed nearly 300 copywriters. Obviously, we like to ask about things like prospecting and sales calls, teams, and all the things that copywriters do in their business so that you can borrow or steal an idea or two to use in your own businesses. So it's a little surprising when we stumble across a topic that we've never addressed before. And today's guest on the podcast is copywriter, screenwriter, creative coach, and someday showrunner, Jamie Jensen. When we invited Jamie to the show, we thought we'd be talking more about the changes that she's made in her business since we interviewed her a few years ago. But we discovered something that we've really never talked about before on the show. And so while today's episode does address Jamie's business and how it's evolved, it's also a primer on writing for TV and cinema. But before we get to Jamie's interview, we just want to share a final announcement that today is the last day to join the Copywriter Accelerator program before we shut the doors um, and kick off this program this September. So if you have any interest in building your business so you have consistent income, uh, processes that help you feel really confident about what you're doing so it's easier to sell what you're doing, um, this is a great program. A lot of the conversation today with Jamie is about creative pursuits in writing. And I, I think most of us have some creative idea that we're inspired to work on, but it's tricky to do that if we don't have a business that's running and providing consistent revenue. So we're not stressing over paying our bills and stressing about where our business is going to go. And so the accelerator program is actually a really nice fit for people who just need a workable business that feels really good to them and is something they could depend on so that they can pursue those projects, whether it's writing or something else, um, and shape their life around, uh, or I guess shape the business around their life uh, rather than vice versa. So today's the last day. We hope we can work with you. If you have any interest, you can find out more information in the show notes. And like you were saying, Kira, like if you've struggled at all with your business over the last year, if things just don't feel quite right, or you feel like they could be running smoother, this is the time to go through the accelerator and get it all set up so that January 1st, you're ready to rock and roll for the new year. So I know we're still a ways away for from thinking about the new year, but it's not that far away. And if people want their businesses to work the right way, they should definitely check out the copywriteraccelerator.com. Okay, let's hear about how Jamie has transitioned her business since the last time that we talked on the podcast. So Jamie, catch us up. Like it has been a long time since we've talked on the podcast, since we saw you in San Diego on stage at <laughs> IRL. Like we went in a time machine called COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What has been going on in, in your life and your business? Yeah, thank you. So many things. I made a decision late last year and just to ground us in time, we're in August 2022 now. And so late 2021, probably around October, I made a decision to like burn everything down in my business. And the irony of this is that that's the second time in my eight, nine years in business that I've done something like that. But this was a, a more... 
I'm going to just speak in the tr- my truth and not like worry so much about whether the languaging I use it makes sense. I'll just let you ask me questions if it doesn't. But there was just a truth in my body where I felt like I hit this brick wall. And so much of what I had been building and working on just felt like a no. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that because I mean, there's, there's burnout, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're tired or you struggle, but Mm -hmm. usually it doesn't feel like everything is a no, like total 180 do over, tear it all down. So like what, I mean, cause you've done, you've had both, like you've been burned out before and not torn everything down. So like, what was, what was the difference? Well, the difference here was that I could feel that there was one thing in my business that I really that felt true for me. It felt like I love doing this. I could do this forever. It was like the one offer I was holding that that I most loved, I was most excited to show up for, and that I felt like I could do endlessly forever and I never got tired of it. Um, and everything else felt like I was kind of pumping pumping from a place of emptiness to, to go through with it, even though it was really smart and even though it was valuable and it was offering value to folks, um, it was just something that in me, when I got up to try to do marketing for it, or when I got up to try to create content for it, I kept hitting a wall and it wasn't for lack of anything that I had built, like not working. It certainly wasn't at the scale that I had dreamt it would be, but I hadn't really gotten to that spot yet. I was still kind of, um, you know, specifically I'm talking about a program called create your six figure copywriting business, which I had been working on at the time for a a year and a half ish. Um, and I loved the program. I loved the clients. I loved the content. I love everything that it had to offer. And it was something that I had probably put the most of myself into in terms of what I was offering in my business. And I believed in it, but there was just something about it that felt like a no for me to continue offering it in the way that I was and to kind of to try to build something to scale on the foundation of that offer. It just was not, there was something in it that was like, I love these, these humans who are showing up for this. I love the results they're getting. And, and this just feels like a no. And a lot of the other products that I had created around copywriting no longer felt true for me. Um, and the way that I describe that is it wasn't like, it wasn't just burnout. It was this like coming to a place of truth and, 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 and honestly, deeply feeling the grief of that there. It wasn't like, oh, I made this decision. And then, um, and then it was just like easy. I was like this, I was really sad. I really had to grieve it. It was, it's like, you know, um, but it was just what was true. You know? Yeah. I mean, as I, as I hear you talk about this too, <laughs> I can think of like other people I know who've done something similar, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, but usually they're just like, uh, I, you know, I don't love the work or I like what I'm doing is crap. And that is not what you're saying. Cause like the stuff that you created is, I mean, it's awesome. Like yeah. I've seen the stuff that you were selling. Like, <laughs> it is really good. And you know, when you had your agency, which I think we talked about last time yeah. you were on the podcast, like your agency was really good, right? Like, Thanks. so how do you, how do you walk away from something that's good, but not yeah. right, as opposed to, ah, this just doesn't, you know, it's not good. And I, it's easy to walk away. Yeah. Like, talk about that. I guess, I mean, it's kind of yeah. grieving, right? It is. Yeah. It's a grieving process. I think, I think for me, um, how do you walk away from it? 
you you just create a plan, a step-by-step short plan <laughs> that goes, you know, I've said this to a lot of clients because I tend to work with a lot of folks who are in transition or wanting to pivot. And like, ironically, ever since I shut my, my agency down, I've had a lot of clients that I've coached around the process of transition and pivoting. Uh-huh. And the thing that I'll say about it is, I think that you have to set realistic expectations for a transition and create like a step-by-step plan for how you want to handle that. You know, I terminated a lot of client agreements, contracts, relationships for a period of time to, to really create space to discover what wanted to come next. And that was something that I hadn't done. You know, when I shut my agency down, I didn't, I didn't say, okay, I'm done with this, but I'm going to like give myself the permission to really take the time to discover what wants to come next or what Uh wants to be created next, if that makes sense. And so in terms of the how, I think it's setting realistic expectations for a transition and uh, really honoring, honoring that you can't, you can't pivot and scale simultaneously. You can't, you know, it, so you have to really be mindful of like, of your energy, your capacity, and um, and give yourself the permission to be messy. Yeah, because it's been messy. It still feels messy, and I'm like, Everything you know what? It's, messy. it's fine. <laughs> how did how did your clients react? Like, were they okay with it? Were were they like, oh yeah, or like, because there's disappointment there. Like, you're helping them yeah. achieve really good things, and then suddenly it's like, I'm not going to be there for you anymore. Yeah, it's really it was tough. You know, I think. Um, the folks that I had had a newer relationship with, I still, I still, in my opinion, owe them a check-in like now just to see how they're doing. Cause I honestly, I have so much love for my clients. I think, um, I get really sad when programs end, even if they're supposed to. (laughs) So, um, what I'll say is that the greater population or the greater number of clients, everyone was actually incredibly supportive and, inspired in their own way in the permission that I was granting myself and the permission that that granted them. I think they saw it as a step in modeling the honoring of what is true for you and not waiting for external permission to take the step that that feels true for you. And so um, we had a very emotional final call in this one program I lead um, that was crafting cash flow at the time. That was, you know, to me, the one program that I felt the most love around. And, um, it was beautiful. I, I had them kind of, we had a completion conversation and discussed that. And I had completion conversations with each of my clients where we kind of talked about where they were, what was the next best step for them, um, and kind of brought them to a place of completion in our relationship. So that was a process that I used for everyone that I was working with. And we had one-on-one calls and we also did it as a group. And, um, I received a lot of gratitude and a lot of positive reflection. So even though it was really difficult for me, and even though I felt not the best about it, I, you know, yeah. I still am like, yeah, it's hard to do that without feeling really guilty or feeling like you've abandoned your clients. And at the same time, there, there were growth opportunities for everyone in the experience there and operating at, out of your own truth is ultimately not going to be in the highest service to anyone, whether it's your clients, your customers, your team, 
Uh, and so that's sort of, that's how that unfolded to give you a, like a, just a transparent window. <laughs> that, yeah, that high level look. Okay, so you burn everything down. I mean, again, you've done it once before, maybe more than once before, but <laughs> like a phoenix out of the ashes, like seems like something better happens. <laughs> so what is the next thing? Like, what are you, what are yeah. you building? Or what are you doing that does light you up? Yeah, so I, a few things. Well, one thing that I'll share is, um, and this isn't like a secret. I think anyone who's been following me for any length of time knows that I also am a writer outside of copywriting and outside of coaching. I also write um, screenplays and movies and I have for a very long time. And in the last you know, 18 months, I've also, or maybe even longer than that, I had started giving thought to like television writing and I've worked in a TV writer's room before but had really put that aside and not seen that as something that I desired for myself. It wasn't something that I like, it wasn't a goal, right. Or it wasn't something that I knew I wanted. And, um, there've been a, like a handful of collaborations also that had started coming up in the realm of television and not just film. And so I just kind of felt this true calling to make space for that and for what that might look like. And so I'll share that like in my creative life, um, I have been working a lot on television projects and becoming more available for the opportunity to like staff on a television show or create a television show with other writers and creatives. And so that is a piece of what I am. That is true. That is happening. And then there are two other pieces that I'll say. Um, one is working a lot more in the space of coaching and working with clients who are in a process that, you know, where, I think it would be really ego egoic. You know, I don't hold the line of um, I did this and I'm so great and I'm going to teach you the perfect steps on how to do it. Right. I think that I hold space for like the messy human process of making changes and taking risks and how hard it is and how vulnerable it is to put yourself out there again and the shame that can come with that. I mean, I, I work with folks who have shame asking asking for clients even if they don't have a story of burning something down, you know, or like making yeah. a change. And so, um, and so I tend to work with a lot of other service providers and creatives that, that encounter that, whether it's through their creative work or through their business or both. And so that kind of is the true thing and the way that I most love supporting um, clients, whether they are coaches or therapists or other creatives. Um, and so that, that kind of has evolved as a very true thing for me. And so that's shown up as like supporting them in their creative projects. Mm -hmm. And there are still like brands and businesses that I work with as a writer and strategist, um, but it's very different than, than um, how I was supporting folks previously, which was really focused a lot on how to make more money, how to sell, how to structure a business, you know, and all of that stuff is valuable and it's necessary. And it's, it's so not, the zone that I, that I feel called to move into it anymore. So away from the business school and into the art school, yeah. or film, film school, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like. Something like, yeah, exactly. And, and like the type of muscle it takes to hold both and be willing to, I think that yeah. that's the other piece is like, it's a practice I've been practicing behind the scenes for so long you know, I've been writing movies and honoring that and working, you know, kind of in the realm of being an artist and a business person. And um, th there's just like a space in which I see other 
folks wanting to experiment with that or kick the door open for that and they feel nervous too or they think they can't or they think it's going to be exhausting um you know and that's kind of that's the realm within which craft and cash flow was born and and kind of is the is the space where i'm excited to serve i like it so the, when I worked in the ad agency that I worked at, there was a joke that every copywriter had a screenplay in there. Maybe it wasn't a joke. Like maybe we all did. Um, everybody had a screenplay in the drawer that they were working on, you know, after hours or maybe during hours when they should have been working on, you know, the, the agency accounts. I don't think we've ever talked about screenwriting on the podcast before. Like, uh, can you give us like a yeah. five minute primer, maybe a 20 minute <laughs> primer on like... What does that even look like? You know, I mean, obviously everybody's got ideas for stories or everybody wants to have written a book, whether they want to write a book or not, you know, so, but let's talk about that process. Yeah. You know, how sure. do you, how do you develop the idea? How do you sit down to write, you know, uh, walk us through it. Oh my God. I could talk about this for hours. I don't even know where to start. Um, this is kind of like the Jamie Jensen version of Robert McKee's uh, story. Yeah, classics, absolutely. Right? So, yeah. We'll yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I, that is like, that is like the only, the only course that I kept and I'm like, <laughs> no one can have this yet. It's my story course. I don't know what I'm doing with it, but it's mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like a funny, funny little window into how the mind works when you are burning things down. So to answer your question, screenwriting, um, I, this, so screenwriting has been something I've always, I've done since I was like 18, 19, 20, right? I went to a summer program at, at USC in California and I'm from New York. And I just, I felt this, I felt the pull for it from a very young age and was always fascinated by it to the point that I designed my own major at NYU at their Gallatin individualized study school and called it dramatic storytelling and like basically created a curriculum where I was like, I'm going to read Aristotle and I'm going to read all of the, I'm going to take a class on like the history of comedy and I'm going to read the classics and I want to read all the Greek comedies and I want to talk about it. And like, I was just, I'm, I'm a nerd for that. And that's just what's true. And it unfolded into, into seeing myself working in story development and as I moved through Hollywood, I came to understand that that development wasn't really for me in terms of what that job is, but writing and working with writers and developing stories still is. And in terms of the process for a screenplay, there are two that I have right now that are out with producers. Uh, and there are many that I have written prior to those <laughs> that have existed. And I would call them like, those, those were great projects to develop my craft. Yeah. And the most two recent ones that are kind of out and around definitely are the best of all of the ones I've ever written. I think you have to be willing to put in the time to like, to exercise yourself on your craft and like be bad at it. You know what I mean? Like you have to be willing to be bad at it before you can let yourself be good at it. And so the process for me has been, I mean, I've written 11 feature length screenplays at this point, maybe 12 at this point. That seems um, pretty good. Two have been produced, two are out with producers. And I'm now uncomfortably, you know, transitioning my skills into pilot writing, which is different, very different. Um, similar, but different. And in terms of process, I have an idea. And at this point, it's, you know, I think 
my first screenplay I ever wrote, I like sat down with Save the Cat. Right. And was like, Save, uh, for anybody who's listening, Save the Cat is like one of the two books that everybody who wants to be a screenwriter reads. Yeah. And Save when the there cat. was a spec market, it, you know, this, this guy, Blake Snyder, you know, he was, he really gets how development executives think and how studios think and what's commercial and what sells. And none of the principles he's teaching are wrong. Like they're all true. Um, but the market for selling spec screenplays is not what it used to be. You know, right. I really, you know, and the reason for that is like the industry has really shifted in entertainment when we've kind of transitioned to streaming DVD revenue shrank. And so there just hasn't been room for these sort of mid mid budget films. There's like big budget and then there was mid budget and there was low budget. And now everything's sort of in the center that isn't like an action movie or an indie got eliminated, which just, and the, the studios didn't have as much money to throw at like, well, I want to buy that screenplay so no one else can have it. So by the time my screenwriting career emerged, that shift had kind of happened in the industry. But what we're seeing now, I mean, or had been with, with you know, the streaming monopoly is that there's been room for smaller scale projects to happen, especially when they're culturally relevant. There's a purpose for them to happen now. Um, and they're, they're touching on some topic or theme that the zeitgeist is interested in. You know, like, what are we talking about? Why is this interesting to us? What, what, what window does this give us into humanity? Um, what conversation and community can be created around this story? And so, you know, I'm obviously going into like the thought process of it from a producerial perspective where, you know, you have your creative idea, but then when you want to think about it to package it up as a product, you're going to be thinking about it from that perspective as a story of, why now? Yeah. And then the process is, you, you know, you, you sit down and you start writing it and you write all the footage you see, even if you don't know the perfect structure for it yet. So I say start with an outline and then just write all the scenes you see. Everything that you already see, start there because there's life there. And by writing what you see, you'll pull out more. It's really similar to anyone who's ever created a course or a webinar and you sit down and you start and you're like, I have one thing to teach. And then you're like, I have 5,000 things to teach, <laughs> but I pulled on this one thread and then all this other stuff came out. Yeah. And I think, you know, even, even a fiction or narrative writing project or creative project, it kind of operates in a similar way where you have to write what you're seeing and feeling and is really present. And then you'll find that more will come out as you keep going. <laughs> So when you start, I'm curious, like, how big is the idea already? You know, and, and I'm not even sure that I've got the language to describe, like, what it should be. But, you know, do you start and say, oh, I've got this idea for a movie. It's going to happen in space. There's this kid who wants to be a knight or, you know, Jedi, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, like, how developed is the idea when you sit down? To, like, is it boy versus world, boy versus nature. And I'm like, I go from there or like, have you thought through, oh, and he's got, he's living with his uncle and his, you know, the bad guy is going to like three movies from now or two movies from now is going to turn out to be his dad. Like how big is the idea before you sit down to start writing? Yeah. So I usually have a pretty big idea of like the concept and the tone. And what I usually need to write, especially for feature length, but I think for anything is I need to understand what the four quadrants of the story are, because those are really the points that move the plot. So it's like, there's always, you know, an act one, there's a midpoint, 
there's an act, you know, then there's an end of act two and there's an act three. And so even when you are trying to pitch what we call a log line of what a movie is, and a log can, line is that like two, three line, lines. Yeah. It's like a one, is. one to two. Sorry. I just hit my microphone. <laughs> sorry guys. Mm-hmm. I accidentally slapped everyone. The structure of the story is usually pretty clear from what the log line is because you're going to explore what the different plot points are. And that usually is obvious from how you say it in one or two sentences, because it'll be like, um, you know, I wrote a movie. I, I'll give you examples from like scripts that I've just, that I've written. I'm trying to okay. help with that, but I, yeah, I don't want you to give away idea. Like nobody still Jamie's ideas. Right. But, but I don't yeah, think anyone would write the demented things <laughs> I write, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah. I mean, so I wrote a, I wrote a movie about a woman who gets an abortion and then is haunted by the spirit of her unborn child until she finds the real father and has the baby. Um, and so, so the, but here's the thing, the pitch, the pitch for that, when we were going out with it was like, it's about a pregnancy that won't end. It's about, and so it's a comedy. It's like super weird. I mean, imagine like Melissa McCarthy playing, playing this like spirit child who's haunting this woman who's busy and is like, go away. I don't, and it's really a two hander with this really awkward, it's a really demented idea, but it's actually really funny. And, um, and it's a it's a wild concept, but even from just how what I described to you, you understand what happens in the movie. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like she's this is what this person wants. She kind of has to surrender to the process. There's a, a romantic comedy element. What is the arc of this character that she becomes available for the concept of motherhood? Right. That actually is what the project is about. And so it's told through this demented, high concept, weird, elevated thing. So that's an example of within that structure, you can see like, okay, well, in the first piece of this is where, you know, we're going to get what the game of the movie is. You have to kind of get to the fun and games, which is something that Blake Snyder talks about in Save the Cat. It's like a structure piece of the film is like fun and games. So you kind of get to that point where you, you enter a new world and the game is there. You have the two main characters who are playing off of each other in a specific way that are like, you know, catalyzing each other's transformation or one is catalyzing the other's transformation in a really specific way. And what's the fun of that? You know, so that's sort of, you want that to be really clear. And then you want to have like, what is the deeper thing that needs to transform here? Um, And that's a B plot thing that happens around the midpoint. The clarity of that needs to be obvious around the midpoint. And then what are the complications and obstacles, which isn't clear from the log line, but structurally you're still getting, you know, piece one, this is the thing that happens, uh, you know, until this happens, then this happens, until this happens, but this. So you have every single piece in that little contained, you know, explanation of what the project is. I like that. So what's your writing process then? Like, do you like sit down 5.30 a.m. or you, you go do hot yoga, come back, you sit down and write? Like, what, you know, what does that look like? Because uh, I imagine that's that's a challenge. Yeah, it's hard. The hard thing is even when you have time, you find other things to do with it. You know, right. like it's like, oh, just I like copywriting. I like, yeah, I set aside this day and like I have all this. I set aside this time for this project. But like, you know what else would be fun? Scrolling Instagram and going for a walk and yep. talking to my friends and hanging out. Um, and quite honestly, the thing that helps me the most, there are two there are two strategies that have helped me right the most. 
One is I take myself into a different environment for a short period of time, and that becomes the special environment within which I create the story. So I had a script that I wrote in early 2020 um, called Queens Get the Money, which I then rewrote into a novel. And it's like a sci-fi, it's a sci-fi rom-com. I wrote that by going to a coffee shop a few times a week. I would stay for an hour and my hour at the coffee shop, that was all I was doing. And I created like within this frame, I'm going to go, I'm going to have my coffee, I'm going to write. And I don't know what I wrote, but I know I wrote. And then I like put it away and move on. I compartmentalize it and I don't stress about it. And I'm honoring the project. I'm having a regular relationship with the project. I'm showing up for the project. And within a month, I wrote a whole script. So um, that was one way that really worked for me. Another way that really works for me is setting dates to do it. And the mm -hmm. best way to do this is for me to do it with other people. So, and this is sort of how I structure writing retreats and it's like a, a co-writer or like an accountability buddy, accountability, co-writing session. So we're both okay. working on something. We're going to sit together and do it. And I have a structured way that I can, that I do that. Um, I also use focus music, which helps a lot. And it just helps like, okay, I'm not alone. We're both doing this together. There's accountability. I also feel the energy of it. And the fact that we have both decided to prioritize this and make it important, there's no wiggle room around it. I treat writing the same way I treat fitness. It's hard to get to the gym, but once you're there, you do the workout. And so if I can structure my relationship with writing the same way that I structure my relationship with fitness, you know, which for me is I invest in group fitness training, right? It's like, I'm going to sign up in advance. There's going to be a small group of people who are there. And then if I can show up for it, I will just do the workout. And um, so for me, that's the most valuable way. I've also done things like short-term retreats where I go away with a friend for a weekend and we work together for a few days and it's really intensified and sort of batched, which I find really helpful. But I, I do believe that there are occasional times in a writing process where you do need like a whole day or a chunk of hours or like a lot of dedicated time. And sometimes that's true. But I find that those days are actually more valuable for doing like the deep thinking work about the project or like allowing yourself to creatively like receive what's possible and not so much necessarily for the actual writing of it. I find that like the writing only takes an hour to 90 minutes. Sometimes you could do a lot in 25 to 45 and you can get a lot done in a short period yeah. of time. And, but you, you just need to keep doing it. Um, and I find, I think it's a myth that you need all this time in a day. Well, I mean, that, that that's a really good point. It's like, obviously when you're writing, you're writing, but when you're not writing, are you ideating and just kind of writing in your brain so that you know tomorrow when you sit down, you kind of know what you're going to write because you figured it out, you know, what when you're doing everything else that you were doing that day? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Here's here's what I'll say. I took a walk Tuesday. I took a 90-minute walk, something I do fairly regularly, and I went by myself. And I have, in this moment, this was this week, I have two pilots. One I'm rewriting from scratch, completely different from the first version. One I delivered to my literary manager and he gave me notes like last Friday. And so I know I have edits, but they're not major. And then I have a major rewrite I'm doing. And then I also have a client project I'm working on <laughs> creatively, right? This is like outside of the coaching programs I'm working on and clients I work with. So just the creative, who's 
employing me creatively right now are like these two projects that aren't monetized and this one that is right. Yeah, yeah. So I take a walk and I'm not really trying. I'm just taking the walk, but my brain is going, Oh, this is an interesting way with this character to do this. I see that. Then I just keep walking, look at the trees. And then the next thing I have is, Oh, I think maybe for this other pilot, this idea that, and it comes in and then I keep walking. And then I have like 10 taglines for this client that I'm working with and ideas for their brand story and things that's so I treat that relationship with creativity as like, it, it is, it's sort of expansive and infinite and like all the things can talk to me. Um, but then when I have dedicated time to sit and focus on one specific one, then I'm just sitting and focusing on one specific one. Um, but I can't control <laughs> when I'm like, gonna let myself think about it. It's not like I'm thinking about it and I'm going to try right. really from, hard. From two o'clock to three o'clock, I'm working on yeah. pilot one from yeah. three until four pilot two from five until six, I'm having dinner and then I'm working on taglines. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, if you are creating space to sit down and write period, then to some extent you can kind of let yourself move through what needs to happen. That's my experience, right? I work on a very energetic level. I work like I'm, I'm very, um, I feel connected to my projects as if they're people, you know, in my life. Yeah. And so my relationship with them is like, Hey, you know, Oh, the, I'm thinking it's the same way you would think about someone you care about when you're taking a walk and they just come into your mind and they're there and you're like holding space for someone you care about because they're just part of your life. It's a similar relationship for me. You know, when I find, I find when there are creative projects that really want your attention, um, it, you get, you can get into a, like this, a similar dynamic when you're ignoring them or pushing them away or telling them you don't have time for it. Yeah. Then they're like sad and like trying to <laughs> pay attention to me. Texting you. Yeah. <laughs> Remember me? Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you ghost me? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's cut in here and uh, have a little chat or talk a little bit about what what Jamie and I have been talking about. So Carrie, you weren't able to make it to this first interview when Jamie and I were talking. Uh, so I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts on what she's been sharing. Yeah. Well, I, I enjoyed the early part of the conversation where Jamie was talking about burning down the business, because this is something that we talk about with a lot of copywriters. And um, I feel like it's, it's grieving and grief is something that Jamie has talked about with our community at TCCIRL in 2020 in San Diego. And there is a, this component of grief in what we do as business owners, but we don't talk about it frequently. And sometimes there's even, you know, it, you can feel ashamed of, of grieving part of your business. It can feel awkward to let go of parts of your business because it could feel like a failure. And so I appreciate that you two were able to cover this because as our businesses change and evolve and the marketplace changes, we have to let go of something in order to move forward and to continue to build and to stay relevant in our marketplaces. It's You can't just move forward and hang on to all the pieces and all the offers and and all everything you've built so far in order to continue to grow. And so for me, it was just more of a reminder that there may be parts of our business we need to to shut down or grieve, even though it feels really uncomfortable. Like no one really wants to do that. And so Jamie, I mean, Jamie's brave as always and willing to do the things that feel uncomfortable and are not easy, like burning it down and grieving. 
Yeah, usually when we think about, oh, it's time to make a change or I want to close this thing down or stop doing this thing, it's because it's not working. And that is definitely not the case in Jamie's business, which makes it really interesting to me because she she built that amazing agency that we talked with her on the last time we interviewed her on the podcast and then closed that down. She's been doing you know these courses and things that she's had, the writing that she's done for clients, like it's working. It's working for her clients, it's producing results. And yet, because it's not uh, working for her personally, I think it takes a, a ton of bravery to look that kind of a business, something that's working, something that's bringing in money, something that's delivering results and saying, this actually isn't for me anymore. And I'm going to take a step back into something else. And it's, I think it's scary. Uh, and I, I think that when it's failing, it's easy to say, oh yeah, for sure. You've got to shut that down. When it's working, the reaction is, are you crazy? Like, what? Are you, why are you stepping back? This is this is a good thing. Yes, and but then also, you know, creating space is so important in business and in life to build with intention and to just check in with yourself to say, what do I want? And I know a big part of the conversation with Jamie was about pursuing those things that you desire and. I, I love that Jamie's all for that. It's like, what do you actually want? Go after it. Who knows if it will happen, but go after it. And I don't even think we can get to the space where we know what we want and what we desire if we don't create space to just explore and sit with it and try on different hats and have time to read and think. And so part of part of this whole process is like you have to grieve and let parts of your business go to create space to grow Otherwise, it's not going to happen or it's not going to happen in a way that probably is as effective. And so I think that's something that I struggle with is just creating a space. I mean, it just doesn't happen in my life as it is now. And I kind of wonder where that could be a possible problem um, as, as I'm moving forward in business. Yeah, I, I can think there's one other side of this too, where, uh, you know, there may be people are, who are thinking, yeah, I would love to take a step back like this, but I can't because my family depends on the paycheck or, you know, I'm not in that kind of situation. And so I think that if there are people who are thinking, oh yeah, I want to burn it down, there might be a step back. It's like, okay, but in order to do that, I've got to create a situation where that makes sense for, you know, whatever the situation is. And so, um, of course, if you're if you're at that point where you're thinking, "Yep, I've got to make a change," and it's way beyond burnout, it's something you know I've got to do something different. Lean into that, but make sure that you're not leaping off a cliff. And Jamie has you know some protection, some ability to you know continue working with her clients, and and so um, I think that's important to remember too. If, if, you know, as we think about those kinds of changes. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like she's burning particular offers, but not all the offers. There's one that she's still really excited about. So I think that's also an important audit to do for all of us. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur, or you have a team to go through your different offers and assess, uh, you know, which ones would I never let go of? Like just even going through that thought process of like, which offers could I hand off or maybe partner and someone else could sell them? Or maybe I just put them on the back burner for now. Which ones just I, I refuse to let go of them or give them to someone else. And so I think that process is really helpful to know what you want to hang on to. And we've talked a lot about the messy middle recently. I know that conversations come up in the think tank when we talk about business and life. And, um, you know, I think that's important to realize that this process Jamie's going through is very messy. And she was upfront with that. 
you know, talking about how some of her, her messaging isn't dialed in yet. And, um, but she's vulnerable and transparent as she's going through the messy middle. And I appreciate that as someone who's definitely in a messy middle, <laughs> like just like really after moving three days ago to Maine, it's just a big mess. So I am all about the messy middle. Yeah. It, sometimes it, it feels like <laughs> everything is the messy middle. I mean, since birth and until death, everything is middle and some of it, so much of it is a mess and it's just, but sometimes it is like it's but it sometimes are definitely messier and sometimes you do clean up like there are times in my life where things have been more orderly and less chaotic and so i do think it's 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 a a cycle and you just have to figure out where you are in that and be okay with that and jamie sounds like she's okay with the messiness of the exploration right now because she's seeking the things she wants um and she's clear well, and I think there can be beauty in the mess. And also sometimes it's the mess that creates the thing that comes out of it. You know, yeah. it's not, you don't go into it thinking, oh, I know what the answer is. Sometimes you've got to get into the mess and figure out this part and that part and how it all fits together. And this doesn't belong before you actually get outside. So it's part of the process. And it's something that rather than shying away from, sometimes maybe we, sh- we need to jump into. I, yeah, I'm all for jumping into it. So what else, Rob, stood out to you as you were chatting with Jamie? So as I was re-listening to this interview, one thing jumped out to me that I didn't uh, follow up on, but um, it just kind of was like, oh, wait, that's really interesting. And Jamie was talking about uh, how she took a, a course in screenwriting at USC and then how she came back to New York and created her own degree program uh, at university you know, her own learning path. She called it uh, dramatic storytelling, I think, if if I heard her right, if I remember that right. And that just kind of got me thinking that all of us really owe it to ourselves to create our own learning programs. You know, we, even if, you know, we're out of school, we, you know, maybe we graduated in physics or history or business or, you know, sociology, whatever the thing is, but creating our own learning paths is a really critical idea for making sure that not, not only do we just stay at the top of our game as copywriters, but that we're always picking up new skills, new ideas, that we're exposing ourselves to things that can help us in our businesses, help our clients in their businesses. And uh, so anyway, I just I, I wanted to re-echo that because I think there's a lot of power in that. I think a lot of copywriters actually know that and are really good at it. But it's just good to be reminded that lifelong learning is critical to success as a copywriter. Yeah. And there, and there's no path for most of us, unless we join a graduate program or, I mean, there, there are other programs out there, but unless you join a program, then you have to choose your own path and choose the right assortment for you. And that's sometimes harder. It'd be easier to just be like, here's a straight line and hit all these courses along the way. Um, but for copywriters, it's it's not that easy. Um, I think it's exciting that we get to choose what we want to learn and when. Um, we, I feel like a lot of the conversation, even though it was about burning things down, it was really about pivoting. And we have talked about pivoting on the podcast before. And so when I'm listening to Jamie in this conversation, it really seems like it's a pivot from talking and helping her clients build businesses that are financially viable and talking about like how to structure business to now hitting this sweet spot that's more about creativity. And as she said, it's, you know, the realm between witchcraft and cash flow. And so to me, it's actually not, it's not a huge step and it's not a huge leap away from what she's been doing, but that's what makes it more interesting. And I think that's something that 
many of us can do as we pivot and grow. It's just like sidestepping a little bit into a different area. And for her clients, that may mean she just helps them at a different stage along their journey. It's less about helping them build the business. It's more about the next stage, which is about pursuing creative um, endeavors. And so I guess just as you think about a pivot, it doesn't have to be the dramatic moment of letting everything go. Like you were saying, it could just be slightly changing how you work with clients and when you help them on the path. Yeah, there may be small things, small changes. Some of the changes may be a little bit bigger, but uh, I think the easiest way to pivot is looking to things that are adjacent to what we're doing. You know, rather than saying I'm a copywriter today and tomorrow I'm going to go to medical school, which of course <laughs> that works for you. Go for you know, it. You know, I said it. that before, right? Like, yeah, I've yeah, I do. That. I remember you said that. But I mean, that's that's really dramatic. That's it may be easier to make other shifts into you know other marketing roles or you know starting to build your own business, th those kinds of things that um, might be a little bit easier. Um, one other thing that jumped out to me and, and you know, I, I'm guessing that this sounded familiar to a lot of people who are listening is just as, as, Jen, as Jamie was talking about, you know, working with an editor, um, you know, making sure that she's improving, you know, as she's getting notes back on some of her ideas and people giving her ideas of things to change, things to improve, that whole process just reminded me again, and, and I really admire that Jamie's uh, got the foresight to do that, is that when we're trying to learn, when we're trying to do something different, having a coach or a mentor to help us along the path is a way to really speed up the process. And I'm, I'm guessing Jamie could buy a couple more books figure it out on her own and do that. But she's not willing to wait that time. She doesn't want to spend three or four years trial and error to get to where she wants to go. A coach can help her, you know, shorten that learning process down. And, you know, these pilots that she's working on, the scripts that she's doing, if she can turn them around in a, in a matter of months or maybe in a year, as opposed to three or four, that's the power of coaches and mentors. They, they shorten the learning curve and help you make progress faster. So Again, another lesson that's directly applicable to what we do as copywriters. Yeah, another lesson um, is screenwriting. You gotta be willing to be bad before you're good. And so <laughs> you gotta be willing to write a lot of screenplays before you have one that turns into a feature film. And as much as I don't like to hear that, I mean, it's similar for copywriting. You have to take on many clients where you look back and you cringe at what you wrote um, in order to get to the stage where you actually start to feel good about your writing. And I was really excited when Jamie started to talk about how she creates space to do the writing. And so she talks about two different strategies for doing it. Um, one is putting herself in a different environment. Um, and so for her, I think it might be a coffee shop. But what I liked about it is it's when she goes to the coffee shop, she knows that she's just working on this one project. So it's almost like assigning a location to a project. And I, I mean, Many of us love to work in different environments, but I haven't thought about it in terms of, okay, I'm going to go to the co-working space to work on my copywriting business. And then I'm going to go to this favorite cafe to work on my novel. And I think that's a really good way of making that distinction in, in my mind. So it could, you can honor the project as Jamie says. I mean, there's, when she was talking about the writing process, there was a lot there that I was thinking, oh, this is exactly what I should be doing, you know, taking more time, taking the walks, right, to think about things, to solve problems, um, you know, the, the process of writing a screenplay versus the process of solving problems for our clients or our, in our own businesses, exactly the same. Lots that we can borrow there. Yes. And she also talks about setting dates on the calendar 
to write with a partner or it could be um, at a retreat with a group of people. And so I know this is something that works well for copywriters that could work well. And then what you mentioned about walking in that creative process, Jamie said something along the lines of, I treat my relationship with cre- with creativity as expansive and infinite and I allow it, it to talk to me. And so I love that idea of walking, living our lives and opening up so that the creativity can talk to us and you can have that relationship with it. Yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of time walking, running in the mornings. Uh, Usually I have headphones in, you know, I'm either listening to, you know, a book or a podcast or music and just listening to Jamie talk about that. I'm thinking, actually, it might be really helpful to do some of those walks or runs with nothing being inputted just so that my brain can work and my subconscious can, you know, uncover some of that stuff that's going on inside. So a good reminder of how brainstorming and thinking can actually help us. Let's get back into the interview with Jamie, where she talks about the difference between pilots and screenplays. So you mentioned, okay, so obviously like the screenplay thing and moving into TV pilots, like what's the difference for anybody who has thought I want to do screenplay and now they're discouraged because you're like, yeah, the market's gone for that. So good luck. Now, but TV's seeing its golden yeah. decades, right? Like, mm-hmm. what? Uh, what's the difference between a pilot and a regular screenplay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, so I will totally respond to that. I also want to address that the market for selling a script for a ridiculous amount of money is is done, right? Like that market doesn't exist. But can you still write a feature film and have it made? Absolutely. Okay. You're not going to make a ton of money doing it you know, but it can happen. And so if you have a a project that you love, that you believe in, that you see, you know, beautiful stories that are relevant, especially in the moment we're living in, um, we'll always find their audience. You know, it's a matter of just connecting with the right other creative collaborators and like they will happen. You know, if you can hold that in the space of art, it does exist and it doesn't mean you won't get paid, but it's not like what it used to be. So I, I probably, wanna... yeah, I probably shouldn't have said it the way I did because no, it's I, good. It's good. Well, I think technology, <laughs> technology's changed too over the last three decades where you can make a movie for a lot less than, I mean, like there's, there's, there's other things happening too, right? To mm-hmm. offset some of the negatives that have happened is yeah. maybe fair to say. There's so much room. There's so many producers. There's so much opportunity and features. It's just not the way it used to be in terms of like you write a script and you sell it. Like it doesn't right. it doesn't function that way anymore. Um, but if someone has a movie on their heart, I would say still write it. There's there's so much room still. That's Pilot. the coach coming out. I yeah. can't. That's <laughs> I never would have thought that I, the scripts I was writing were, would be where they are now. But like. You just don't know. But if you yeah. don't write it, you really will never know. In in terms of the pilot stuff. So the question was, how are they different? Yes. <laughs> yes. How are they different? So I'm still an amateur television writer. Okay. So I will share my experience. It's more experience than I have. So, <laughs> yeah, so lay it on me. <laughs> um, But, well, TV pilots are intended to introduce characters, introduce show format, and show the potential for many seasons of of conflict, of story, of theme. And so, you know, the 
concept of the pilot is to sell like what a series could be, mm-hmm. not so much like this complete experience. You know, a feature film, there's a scope of story where like you really do reach a resolution. With a pilot, you reach a resolution for that moment with lots of like open th- open threads and opportunities for where it could go. And that needs to feel really possible and alive from what the pilot is. So it's just in terms of its what it does, what it's selling, it's selling something different. It's, it's, it does a different job. And, um, and so for example, like I wrote a pilot and the note I got was like, we just need to deprioritize some of these characters so that the main four are like more, more come forward the most because it's a lot of characters for the pilot. And so that note matters because you, you want someone who reads it to understand who are the main four people that we're tracking and following and care about and how are we imagining them interacting with each other over many seasons and like what's the conflict we can already kind of foresee that is that is dramatic or funny either depending on your tone um and so it's it's a very different job than a feature and like the character development i'll also say that you know when you look at if season one of a show you're you're looking at something that could be a movie in terms of how the structure of the whole season is, but it's being split up very differently and you're getting depth and nuance in different plots that you wouldn't, you're moving slower. You wouldn't be able to get the same level of like um, d- depth and nuance, seeing scenes with sub characters you wouldn't get, get to experience otherwise. So you could take most feature films if you wanted to, they don't all have the capacity to like format themselves into a series, but in terms of story structure, that's what you're looking at. So even if it's like 12 episodes or 24 episodes, that's what you're looking at. I would say the outlier to this, you know, are, pro- are shows that tend to be more procedural, you know, like a Law and Order uh-huh. or House um, was a show like this where like there's a mystery to solve and it's solved by the end of the episode but you still get the but, yeah, you still have like the B stories. Arcs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, as I'm, I'm thinking through the, also the structure of TV, how has streaming changed that? You know, it used to be, well, like 12 minutes, commercial break, 12 minutes, commercial break, seven minute wrap up. Like how has that changed with streaming or is it still the same? You still have to work I with think, those same beats. The story structure is still the same. I think that, like story structure is story structure. You just don't get the same. I don't think that the pressure to create these like cliffhanger commercial breaks, you know, is quite, I don't think that the pressure necessarily exists in the same way that it used to. Um, And there's so much room, you know, I think, I think with it, with network, there used to be a lot of, of, the, the structure is the structure and it's this type of show or this type of show or this type of show. And now yeah. what we're seeing is like, there's an infinite number of type of shows and there's so much like room to play in different worlds and, and to play with different formats and see what's possible. It's, it's different. And if I were a television executive, I would be able to speak a lot more on this, but I'm not. So someday the most I have to <laughs> offer. On that. So, so talk a little bit. So your work though, with an editor, somebody who can you know, give you feedback or aid, I mean, agent, like talk about those relationships too. Like what kind of mm-hmm. advice are you getting? How are they helping you to improve? Yeah. So I have a literary manager that I work with. Um, and 
my work has been shown to some agents and that has provided feedback as well over the course of my career, a few, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and primarily, you know, you work with a producer also who will have their notes. Um, one of my feature films, we had a director interested in it. And so she and I were working together and developing it back and forth. And so that was, there was feedback there and there was um, creative notes and changes in that process as well. So there are different folks who will come into the process at different stages with notes. And I would say the first line is usually your manager, or if you have a partner collaborator, if you have a producer already attached, that's kind of the first line of um, who's going to support you in getting it market ready. I also have other screenwriters in my life that I, that we will exchange notes with each other. Um, and I have a writing coach right now that I'm working with on the pilot just because I'm like, this isn't my zone of expertise and I know I need the support. And so I, I invested in getting additional support with one of the pilots I'm working on so that she can review pages and I can get her feedback because she's used to thinking in television format. So I find yeah. that really helpful. Smart. Um, and then, um, you know, once you have a producer attached and you're out to agents, agents in different categories will have different types of feedback to try to attach the right talent to your project. So what's interesting about, about screenwriting um, in particular is that you are always, you know, when we think about marketing for copywriting, we're like, who's the audience you're going to be in front of and who do you need to speak to? And, you know, with screenwriting, it's similar, but you are actually tailoring the project to the audience at each stage. And so what does it take to get this talent agent to say yes to giving it to Vince Vaughn? And then what does it take to get Vince Vaughn? And then what is Vince going to have to say? And then, right. Or like, who's the big director you want. And so you have, there is this like element of revising as you need to, to talk to different audiences, but it's, what is it? What is the piece of the project that they're going to get the most excited about and feel like, Oh, I can sell this to my client. I can sell this to my whoever. And that is sort of an, it's an interesting, different strategic way of thinking and operating. Once you get to that stage of like bringing your work to the next level that I think most people don't talk about, cause they're just talking about like, make it, make it the best it can be. And that's true. And then once it's the best it can be, how do we then tweak it and tailor it? It's, it's a lot like optimizing, you know, like optimizing an ad performance or like optimizing and like, Oh, well, we've seen like, these are split test this, like we got this note from this person or this reaction. And you're then doing that, but you're doing it within the creative work, not the outside of it where you're pitching what the work is. So it's, it's a very interesting nuance. As, as you talk about it, I'm like flashing back to the offer, the series about how the Godfather was made. Cause it like, you totally see that, you know, happening through that show. So anyway, inter- interesting, like hearing you echo that. Okay. Enough, I mean, enough about enough of my class on <laughs> television and film writing. Uh, I listen, I'm, I'm still, there are way, ways in which I'm in, I'm still learning too. And I'm a, I'm a lifelong student. So I'm just here to offer what I've, what I've I love, I love it. I'm, I'm just slowly sliding my screenplay back in the drawer. I'll let you professionals work out. <laughs> Let's, let's talk a little bit about like the coaching that you have started doing and like creative coaching, you know, who exactly are you working with and like, what are the kinds of like things that you're helping them accomplish? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so it's, there's, so I'll be totally transparently honest about this. I don't really have a neat, perfect message. Right. But what I will say, what I will, what feels the truest in this moment to say is that I'm finding myself helping other multi-hyphenate creative people actually write their life and career changing work. And so for some people that might be their blog, 
for other folks, it might be a book. For someone else, it might be a pilot or a screenplay. It's this sort of nagging creative project that like is that their heart is like, it's true in their heart and it's true in their soul. And it takes like a different type of gumption to, to put that in a, in to, to give that love, support, attention, and to receive and invest in the support that that takes. So, um, that is what I'm finding myself doing right now. And so for some folks it is, they have a book, they're an entrepreneur, but they like see themselves in thought leadership, but they, they're bringing a lot of their own story into it. And it still is this, like, it, it comes with a lot of emotional charge. Uh Um, and so that is for some folks, how, how I'm helping them. And for other folks, it's like, they just never really made their own, their own writing a priority. And so even if it sort of does connect to their business, there's a way in which they want to express themselves or share stories that they haven't yet. And they know that there's this gap between like how they're showing up and like who they really are and what they really have to say or share. Um, and so it, they're, it's multi-hyphenates, you know, I, like just to share, I have folks, you know, who, who I work with, who, you know, an online tutor who also writes poetry and is writing children's books. Um, someone who's like a marketing expert who also has like, a, a, you know, wants to work in expressive arts. Someone who, um, you know, in my craft and cash flow program that I ran, you know, that isn't the one that's open right now. I was working with folks who were working on their book, uh, whether it's memoir or trade book or something creative, but it's outside the realm of how they typically are operating in their business and with clients. And um, I also have folks who are like, you know, entrepreneurs have an in-person business, but are also writers and comedians and I have a pilot they want to work on. So they, they're like multi-talented and multi-hyphenate and they have a lot of gifts and like grounding down to allow one project to really come through them takes a little bit of help, whether it's, whether it's private, like they want to come and I consult with them or whether they want to join a program that'll help them extract it from them and just have them show up consistently to, to like pull it out of them. So that is, that is what I am. That's what I'm witnessing is showing up and that I am very available to say yes to in this season. And is it structured like hourly or, you know, are you doing it as a group? Like, you know, if I, if I'm thinking, okay, I actually want to write a screenplay and Jamie is the one that's going to drag this out of me. (laughs) What does that relationship look like? I love this question. Um, So I have a couple clients who I'm doing private coaching with, you know, and they want hands-on support. They want one-on-one. They want me to read their work as they're delivering it. They want my opinion on their story structure. They want the development brain. Right. And so that is one way of working with me. And so that might be, you know, we could do an intensive format or there's a longer term private format for that. So that's one way. Um, and then another way is I have a program that I'm that I'm creating called Momentum that is structured to be a co-writing community. And so the purpose of that is to like set goals, celebrate in the group, hold yourself accountable and actually have the structured mini writing retreats happening consistently throughout the week. And they can show up to a call so that they have the, the like you know, it's like a group fitness class, but for writing. So you're showing up, you're getting your writing done and and it's helping you consistently show up. I think one of the challenges being a writing coach of any kind, which I guess I'm doing now (laughs) is I can't do the writing for them. Right. And I wouldn't be benefiting them if I really helped them that way. Right. The benefit is helping them is providing the tools to help them show up and making it easier and more fun. And so the private feedback and support is a piece of it. There's some, there's group coaching, private coaching, but then, you know, there, this 
offer I'm creating um, that I can't stop myself from creating. <laughs> it's like I tried and it's just coming out. Um, it really is like a co-writing thing. It's like, great, let's show up together and I will be there with you and you will have other writers with you who are all doing the hard thing and, and we're doing it together and we can all groan and moan and whine and resist. And, um, but, you know, keep showing up and you create momentum. Yeah, I love that. Every, well, I mean, we could all use that, right? I mean, even even copywriters. So uh -huh. I'm, I'm loving the glimpse into what are some of the opportunities beyond copywriting that you know people can invent from the substance. If, if people are thinking, hey, this isn't a forever thing for me. So um, I like that. So aside from this stuff that you're building and working on, what, do you, what else do you see happening like for you, for your business? Like, where's it all going? What's the future? I have no idea, Rob. <laughs> Which I is probably I will, the only will, answer, right? I will vulnerably share my dreams and desires with you. Sure. And with the whole audience, because yeah, I think it's it. important. I think it's important that everyone, I think it's important that folks claim what they want, whether it's going to happen or not. And so I, I'll be totally honest. I absolutely want to be staffed on a television show. I absolutely want to collaborate with other television writers that way. I want to, I want to be a showrunner. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'd love that. Will it happen? I have no idea. But I'm claiming that it's a desire I have. And then the other true desire is to continue building community um, for creative multi-hyphenates who are like, I don't know, being an artist means being a lot of things. And how do I hold all these identities and show up for what I'm really called to? How do I honor the creative spark inside myself and not shut it down? Um, how do I nurture that? And, and that for me is still such a true piece that I think no matter what my life unfolded, that would never leave me. You know, I, I literally have been crying every time someone joins a program because I love them so much and I'm so excited for them. Like that's just what happens. That's who you I, are. Yeah. That's who I am. I love it so much. Um, and so if I could build what's essentially like a virtual writing gym for writers, that would be an absolute dream. Like if, if what I'm starting to create here could become that, if I could have writing classes every day of the week at every hour that anyone could hop into with their favorite coach, the way they would like hop into a Peloton class and like they get coached and they write their thing and they're showing up and there's that many classes available, I would like lose my mind like that. <laughs> that's totally the dream. I have no idea if it's going to happen, but I'm going to keep showing up for it one step at a time and we'll see where it goes. Somebody's going to be the showrunner. It might as well be Jamie, right? Or, or like, and and I, as you like talk about the writing gym, I'm like, okay, how do I clear an hour in my mornings to, you know, to join the gym? Because uh, it's intriguing for, for sure. So, okay. So when we first started talking off, we, we we started talking about like how you've blown up your business and all this awesome stuff that you have is no more, no which more. isn't really true. I mean, you found a new home for it. Yeah, um, I did. I did. I did. I did. Yeah, and we're we're excited. So I'm so um, excited. It's so grateful. Yeah. This is something new that that we're trying out, but we've basically created this shop, and your pro like three of your programs are going to be um, in our shop, like available. I think as this podcast goes live, at least one of them will be available <laughs> as this podcast goes live. So tell us like the three programs, yeah, what they yeah. are, uh -huh. um, what you know, what people can expect from them if they decide they want to check them out. Yeah. So these are my babies. Yeah. 
thank you for thank you for fostering them <laughs> adopting them so the three programs are copy that which is my like how to write copy period but specifically for a brand for a website that's a 12 module program it includes lessons on voice lessons on storytelling for business it includes how to write and structure different pages for the website so for a copywriter who wants to learn how to write copy or for any entrepreneur who's struggling to write their own copy they're going to get the lessons and the templates to really just learn the basics and the foundations of copywriting um, and in a way that allows it to be easy fun and authentic I'm sure you can sense just from this interview that I have a very energetic woo-woo element to me. And so there, there is a little bit of that sparkle in everything that I create. And that is for woo, sure that's true. a little <laughs> yeah. woo, you know, but it is, it's still very practical. It's practical, it's tactical, and it will also help, help you create copy that is authentic for you and for clients. So that is copy that. Um, all of the lessons in copy that are audio modules. So you can listen to them like you would a podcast. It's not like, um, like you have to sit down and watch a video for everything. And so there are really, worksheets really for helpful. each. Yeah. And so you can just listen to the audio and work on the worksheets. You can be looking at your own work or taking notes and really processing as you listen, which I find to be super valuable, um, which is why I created it that way. So that's copy that. The other program uh, that's like a sister to copy that is sizzling sales pages, which is a one hour training that comes with a template. And that walks you through all the different pieces of a sales page how to write it, how to write it to sell, the different components and really best practices. And so that should also come with a checklist of like what you need to make sure is in every sales page. If for some reason that isn't in, we'll get I in have there. that. Yeah. We'll, yes. we'll so sure like, there. yeah, there's a checklist. So it's, it, I created the checklist for my agency. So just so you like that checklist was created to be um, like, a quality control process for my agency writers and everything that went into this version of copy that because that program was created in like 2013 or 2014. And then I kept revising it. Everything in both of these programs I created for my agency writers. And so all of the quality control stuff, the checklists, like this is what I had my writers looking at before they delivered anything for review and then delivered to clients. So super valuable and helpful, like practical, tactical, and will help pull authentic writing out of you. Um, and then the other program, which is like, it's, it's basically a copywriting business in a box. And it's called Create Your Six Figure Copywriting Business. And it's a program that I was just talking about that I created that has gotten a, an insane amount of results and value for the folks that have gone through it. Um, what I believe to be the most unique thing about this program is like, yes, we cover systems and yes, I give you the behind the scenes scripts and swipes and everything that I used in my own copywriting business, some of which I still use as needed, um, in my own copywriting business and in my agency and with clients, but you really get, um, a lot of training on sales and marketing, but marketing specifically as a copywriter. And I find that to be really significant and different in that um, if you do not know how to sell and how to structure a sales call and run a sales call and actually, you know, work with yourself around the pricing you're available to receive at any particular stage of your business, it will become, it will, you will basically be the wall that is blocking you from yeah. receiving great clients and allowing it to also be easier than you assume it can be. It really is a lot easier than you think it can be. And I think that there's a way in which the, the systems that I work with in my smooth sales system that's in that program, um, 
there's a way in which that really does unlock a different level of like sales and availability for folks who go through it. And that that's actually, that's the piece I'm the most proud of and the most excited to share. And I'm endlessly grateful that we're going to be able to make this available through the copywriter club. I'm, I, you know, yeah, I'm just, it's amazing. Thank you. We're so excited much. too. We're, we're going to see, you know, if we can expose it to at least as much of our, I know some of our audience know who you are, but not everybody does. And <laughs> the amazing things that you built with your agency, with your freelance business after what you're doing today. So yeah, we're, we're excited to show that too. And we'll see where that all goes uh, from here, but happy to have helped those things find a home because uh, yeah and and the, it's stuff that we haven't done you know in the copywriter club it's mm -hmm. you know it's a nice addition to some of the, the business training that Kira and I've been able to do so yeah that's awesome um all right well Jamie I mean this has been a good this has been kind of a fun discussion for me because I've learned a lot about stuff I had no idea like <laughs> I so see, like I, I in the back of my head, I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to write a novel someday, but maybe, maybe it should be a screenplay or, uh, or a television pilot, you know? So Ooh. when, when the creative gym, <laughs> the writing gym is open, I may be there in line. So, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it all comes together, but thanks so much for taking some time to, you know, like I said, talk about things that I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast before. It's been educational and good for me. And, uh, I just appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Rob. Yeah. Thank you. That's the end of our interview with Jamie Jensen. Before we go, just one or two more things that we're just going to want to touch on or highlight. And again, this has been, you know, I, I mentioned on the podcast, but it's kind of a masterclass in screenwriting, piloting. If this hasn't been interesting to you, I apologize. It's one of those things where I was like, oh, an opportunity for me to ask my selfish questions about all of this stuff. Those but are the best interviews. Really, inter really interesting to me. Yeah. So, but what stood out to you, Kira? I mean, Jamie's insight into this industry that I know little about, but I'm very much interested in was so helpful. So even understanding how it's shifted and what is being purchased today or how it works and that feature films are basically the way to go. So now I, at least I can focus and know I'm not going to write huge, you know, blockbuster movie most likely, but maybe I could do a feature film. And so I think that was a helpful guide. An aha moment I had um, was just that we could start, it's okay to start smaller with a feature film and maybe create it for the audience you already have. And again, like as business owners, we do have an audience. It doesn't matter if it's 10 people or thousands of people. So selfishly for me, I was thinking, well, what if I created a feature film for the audience of writers and copywriters in the TCC community? Because we are like, those are the people I love. Um, rather than feeling like I have to create this script and this movie for this totally different audience. And so I think we can start where we are and it doesn't have to feel like this big leap into this new industry where we know nothing and we don't understand the audience. So um, that was a really big aha moment, just starting small and starting with where you are, if it's useful. Yeah. Another thing that really stood out to me as Jamie was talking about, she mentioned she's written like 12 or 14 different screenplays and you know, two of them have been uh, produced in, at some level. I know she's got a finished film that she's done. She's got some in development, but just the amount of work that goes into succeeding, you know, she, if she's got four that have, you know, hit some kind of production, that means that she's got somewhere around eight to 10 screenplays that at least so far have been practice. You know, they, they haven't gone anywhere. And that's not to say that there's not potential or that they won't someday, but 
there's a lot of pre-work that goes into learning a skill, learning a craft. And the same is true of copywriting. When you and I look back at stuff that we were writing, you know, when we first started out or even just a year or two ago, like you cringe. Yeah, you cringe. You think about how how far you've come, you know, over the last year or two and how your thinking's changed and how just your experience you you grow up, so to speak, as a writer. And uh, again, another takeaway from Jamie's experience that directly applies to copywriting, but also as I think through, you know, my struggles, I, I've shared every once in a while that I've got ideas for books, but I get really stuck on plot and I get, you know, get hung up. And as I look back at that and think, oh, that was terrible, but the next iteration may actually be better. So just it's one of those processes, messy middle kind of things um, that you just have to wade through and, and get through to get to the end. And it can feel daunting because, yeah, Jamie has 14 screenplays. So as I hear that, I'm like, well, what's I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just a negative person, but what's the point? Like, I can't because to, to get to a good one, it's going to take me maybe 10 mediocre ones. So I think it can feel daunting at times, but but also exciting. And I think what helps me is thinking, I think I'm going to live to be 125, even though I'm probably not, but that helps me see a longer lifetime and a longer span to work on projects like this. So I don't feel as pressured and I just give up and I don't even try. Um, Rob, what helps you not feel, maybe you don't feel that way at all, but not feel like, oh, it's too late or I can never get to that point because I'm still trying to build a business and like, there's so many things that take up my time. How will I ever get to this? Uh, I mean, that's a really a question because life is a series of choices, right? And it is too late for some things. Yes, I could, uh, I could go to medical school and still be a doctor, right? Even though I'm probably in the second half of my life. But if I do that, yeah, it, I, of course I can do that. But it also means that if I do that, I probably can't go to law school or I probably can't do any of the thousands of other options, right? And so life is a series of choices. And I'm, I don't want to go to medical school. I've, you know, long time ago, I got, I, I'm okay with that. Um, but there are other things that I do want to do. You know, I, I want to spend a lot more time traveling and I want to, you know, write some books that are maybe not related to business. Uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of dreams and to find time for that and to know, um, I don't necessarily... Um, project out, think, oh yeah, there's tons of time left. Although like you, I want to live to, I've actually said, I want to live to be 140 or 120. Those numbers I've thrown out, but um, if I don't, I'm okay with that too. Uh, you know, because I'm pretty proud of what we've created over the last few years together. I'm proud of what, you know, I've done with, you know, my family, my career before all of that. So um, I think it's just a matter of staying in touch with what I want to build in the immediate future. And I'm okay having dreams and, you know, if they don't get realized, they don't get realized, but there's a lot of time left. Even if it's only a decade, you know, there's a lot of time left. Yeah. I think that helps me just to remind myself that there is a lot of time and you can claim what you want. And I think that's the most important part is like, yeah, it may not happen or it may not turn out as well as you want or may not turn into anything, but Jamie's giving us permission today to claim what we want. So one last thing that I'll just mention, you know, Jamie and I wrapped up the interview talking about this stuff, but Jamie's three programs that she created, that she sold, she's had uh, hundreds of writers go through, they're proven, they're great. Uh, we're thrilled that they're going to be part of the Copywriter Club website. And we'll link to the, to the actual link in the show notes, um, but I'll just throw out a, a URL that you can use too, if you remember, the Copywriter Club 
dot com forward slash learn. And I'll just forward that to the the place on the website where you can find Jamie's programs. But ultimately, our goal here isn't to just have Jamie's three programs. She's got a sales page training. Uh, she mentioned her create your six figure business training, which is going to I think that's the program that's live right now. Uh, as well as her uh, copywriting program around websites. But ultimately, we want to add a few other programs from other copywriters who would just like to feature you know, their stuff. So uh, it's not going to be every program from every single person out there. But in the future, if you're looking for a place to find training about copywriting topics and things related to your business, it might be something worth checking out. So check out thecopywriterclub.com forward slash learn. We want to thank Jamie Jensen for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to connect with her, we will link to her website in the show notes. And maybe after listening, you're as excited for this creative gym idea to come about. So it might be worth uh, hopping onto her list so you get notified about that. And you can find the first episode that we recorded with Jamie. That was episode number 62, so quite a while ago. Uh, but we've linked to that in the show notes as well, all about building a micro agency. And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice, and the outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show. It really helps us reach more copywriters with our show. And if you're ready to invest in yourself and your copywriting business, and lay the foundation for a successful 2023, visit thecopywriteraccelerator.com ASAP because the doors are closing at midnight. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money.